April 8, 2011, is Watt from Pedro's show.
Lot for Pedro show, but I ain't in Pedro. In fact, I'm about 1,100 miles north in a town called Seattle. Uh, I'm on tour. Oh, I should tell you what we uh, just heard. Uh, John Coltrane doing The Damn Don't Cry, and then we heard Stay by Sawako. Uh, I'm on a little tour here. Uh, first time playing with Edward and Georgie in 18 years. And for seven of the gigs, we're doing 13 all together, but seven of the gigs, uh, we get to share stage with uh, uh, Tara Mills. And they're here right in this, well, actually, uh, this is a Steve and Sandy uh, pad that they've been kind enough. It's it's an Easter, and we ain't got a gig, which is trippy for a tour for me, but it's the way it worked out. Uh, say hi, guys. Hey. Howdy. Hi. Okay. Uh, we got to talk to the guitar man. God, when was that, Nick? Months ago? Yeah, via the Skypeage. And uh, about your journey through music. And we got uh, two of your cohorts. Comrades. Nakama. <laughs> Toma Dutch. And uh, I would like to talk about their music. Uh, Mr. I... Nate on the bass. Right. Uh, what was the first music you ever heard in your life? Uh, Beatles. How old? Uh, I can't even remember how old I was. In fact... Younger than 21? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, as a little kid. You remember a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was younger. Uh, Somebody play it for you? Yeah, Dad. Dad was in the Beatles. Was into the Whoa. Beatles, not in the Beatles. <laughs> yeah, Dad was into the Beatles. And... Um, yeah, my my parents divorced shortly after I was born, so I don't, you know, I don't ever have uh, memories of them being together, but my dad would make us, would, my older brother and I would dub us, like, Beatles tapes, and, and make... Put music on a cassette. Tape. Yeah, and give them to us, and we'd play them on, you know, little... So this is the first music you hear? Yeah. Okay. You didn't really buy them, it was kind of foisted on Yeah, exactly. Were you a Beatles fan? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Help was my like first favorite song, I guess ever. It was Help. Uh, what about 
the connection between listening and playing. When did that come? Um, that came a bit later. Okay, so um, in between, you you started buying records. Yeah. So not just relying on dad as the fountain of all music. Right. Exactly. I think I remember. <laughs> um, my older brother, somebody like he had to. My older brother and I grew up where we lived was like up in the sticks in Grass Valley. So there wasn't anything around. Up in the valley or down in the valley? Up. Okay. <laughs> I know, it doesn't sound right. but No, it's all right. Yeah. You know that Orson Welles thing? You know, spring peas in the winter. Ooh, right to shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but then, I, I'm fucking up. You yeah, know. no, no, it's cool. So, so you guys lived up in the valley. Right. And this had something to do with music. Right. Where I'm, where I'm getting to is there wasn't... It was it was the sticks. There wasn't like any. It's hard to get music. Yeah, there was no cultural, like, uh, no record stores. Yeah, exactly. So, my older brother had like my cousin who lived down in Sacramento with my dad, buy him a cassette single of "Everybody Dance Now" by CNC Music Factory, and I remember I didn't even oh, know yeah. what it was, but I was just like. I remember that. <laughs> I, was, I wanted something too. Like I wanted them to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Weather Girls or somebody. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. So, um, and I remember feeling like it was like some kind of thing that I wasn't included on in on. Like, well, what cassette single? What, what was on the other side? Uh, probably like an a remix of it. Or remix, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> the club. Mix. It was and the cassette, cassette singles. Were that's just a, a trip. They were in little paper <laughs> sleeves. You know? Okay. Um, so yeah, I remember feeling like kind of unincluded. He, 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 but that you didn't pick it; it was given to you. No, that was. I mean, that was his. Yeah. Like he he got that. I I remember sitting there being like, "How come nobody told me that we could we could get music?" You know. Oh. Okay. Like, what if I wanted to to get something? So, yeah, yeah, I understand that. And uh, and so from there it was. Oh uh, no, Weather Girls is it's, it's raining men. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a slow learner. <laughs> so, uh, so, so, uh, so now you're on the path. You're on the path. Right, you're, exactly. Or you're, you got a mission. You wanna right? The concept of how old are you at this point? Oh man, probably like five or six. Oh, so you ain't even in school. Yeah, okay. Um, kindergarten or six. Yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe like yeah. Pro- yeah, five or six, because I remember by the time I was in third grade, which would be about eight years old, that's when I was, because we're still up in the sticks, yeah. how I got a hold of music was asking other people to, in the school to dub tapes over for me. So at that, about that age was uh, third and fourth grade, which would be eight and nine years yeah. old, Guns N' Roses. Okay. Got to, got to, had to get a hold of the Guns N' Roses wait, 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 wait. Uh, this would be... What aroused you? What? Yeah, I can't even think of what did arouse me to it. Before then, um, <clears throat> what was popular in music was, you know, like Michael Jackson. So much of what... Oh, maybe stuff coming on the TV. Yeah, the, so the much of what, yeah. what you get or what your, you know, your musical background comes from. And I've even tied this into our band now and what people get into is your options are limited. Yeah. In a lot of places, your options are limited. So there was yeah. nothing really past, like, 
the ultra ultra popular music. Yeah, yeah. Nothing past Michael Jackson and yeah. like Madonna. And, and Remember, I saw Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah that's the first right around the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, most people come from Merch. Yeah, because you don't. You're not in a choosing. You're not in a, a place where you can use choice yet. Right, right. You can't even discern. You don't even know there are things to discern from. Right. And at this point, I was never thinking like, oh, I'm going to play music. I just yeah, right. like music. I yeah, wanted yeah, to yeah, get yeah. my hands on music. And, um, you know, like I always was like burning through Walkman, you know, always going through my... These were little cassette players. Yeah. The headphones. Yeah. And uh, at some point, I got my first like real tape. I got for Christmas was an MC Hammer tape and I like played that thing until it got eaten up you know um so that's this one you buy yeah yeah, yeah. or I asked uh, for it or yeah. so you had somebody t- uh, tape for it yeah I okay. had that tape too yeah and um so when's it connect towards it starts to connect you want to make you want to do it I yourself I think at this point I'm noticing that I'm like the kid in school that's into music. You know what I mean? The other kids aren't as obsessed with it, with having the MC Hammer tape, trying to get the Guns N' Roses done. Listening over and over and yeah, over. Yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the person on the bus that has, like, my tapes and my Walkman and, yeah. like, listens to it and stuff. Um, and uh, I was always into... I was into, like, Little League, like, playing baseball. Yeah. Like, that was... I had to do that from too. from no point. Yeah, there was never any point where I had like an idea where I, like someday I'm gonna do a I'm gonna have like a realistic career. It was always like, oh maybe I'll be like a professional baseball player or something like, you know, um, and and a lot of the stuff came from my dad. It trickled from my dad to my older brother to me. Um, did and your pop play? Did your older brother he, play? My dad had like a high school band and, you know, he was really into the Beatles and Paul Revere and the Raiders and like stuff like that. And, uh, oh, you do guitar? Yeah, he played guitar. And, um, but he was never, you know. So is there a guitar around the house? Well, down at his house, yeah, he had. He oh, had, you're with your mom? Yeah. Okay. But we would go visit, you know, on the weekends. We'd go down and stay at his place. And there's this guitar. So did you pick it up? I didn't pick it up. My older brother was playing guitar. And. I remember my dad had a bass because he had had he had had a roommate that died, and so he got the roommate's bass. It was a uh, wow. realistic brand, Radio Shack realistic bass. Wow! And it was the uh, you know it was the Paul McCartney like double cut like a Hofner. Yeah, Hofner bass. And so he had he had an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar. And this is all like not good, you know. It's like In all kind of, low quality yeah. stuff. He had an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, and a bass. And my brother started taking interest in playing guitar, and so, well, I didn't want to play, I didn't want to do the same thing as him, like, you know, so I, so I took the bass. How old? Probably, we're probably about 11 or 12 years old. Okay. Um, so, what do you do with the bass? Do you try to copy songs off records? You know, I never, I never really got too much into that, which I think has kind of caused a, caused a deficiency in my playing. <laughs> Oh um, man, you're a great bass player. But um, well, a lot of times, like when I'm like Nick will come up with a demo of something and he'll send it, and even then I think like, man, if I just would have like figured out what was going on a lot more in these songs, those, I would probably know exactly where he's going. Instead of a lot of times, I'm naturally drawn to the fifth of what he's playing, thinking the fifth is the root note of what he's playing. You know, it's just it's harmony. Yeah. So you're thinking music. 
I'm just talking about as a way of learning, yeah. trying to copy off a record. Yeah. Was, this was never in your uh, beginning. Right, because at this point... I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> See, I've always, no, that's what I've, I've, I've always felt fouled. Me and DJ <laughs> both felt fouled uh-huh. by, like we were tainted by copying other people's music. What was our voice? If we'd like... Well, because at this point... I'm, I don't know if it was totally true, because other people would say, no, you were just building up rudiments to go and find your own voice yeah. with. But we, especially when punk first started, this was one of the liberating things we saw of this scene because we mm-hmm. were watching cats. We knew they would just learn it. You yeah. could tell by them playing. And we, <laughs> there's a, a sense of purity that we thought we would never have because we fouled ourselves with record copying. Well, yeah. The other thing why I never kind of developed that way was because at this point, the music I was getting to, especially in sixth grade, was like that's when Nirvana like hit alternative music you know what i mean oh nirvana led to all this alternative stuff so there was nirvana which led to chili peppers i couldn't fucking figure out any of that you know what i mean like being whatever 12 years old and putting on that flea stuff it it was just like i'm never gonna be able to do this so i'm not even gonna try oh this these two notes dude where he like will ride this two note thing i can i can do that so there were like bits and pieces i could pick up which also, you know, like, Red Hot Chili Peppers Flea led to Primus and Les Claypool, which is even more just like... Both those guys really turned on a lot of people to base. What is happening with this? I can never do this, but I I like it, you know? Did you ever have this problem? Just hearing what the bass was on the record. Of course. I yeah. had this Sometimes huge you problem. Tell if it's bass or if it's drums. I could hear... I, I could hear... Um, Ant Whistle in The Who. I could hear uh-huh. Jack Bruce in Cream. I could hear Larry Graham in Sly. Yeah. Well, actually, the brothers, with R&B, I could hear the bass. Yeah. But, man, like Creedence, you know, when I met D. Boone, that's all he knew. Uh-huh. And so we got these six Creedence records, and I couldn't <laughs> fucking hear the bass. Yeah. Okay. Now I can hear it now. Yeah. No, some of it's... No, there's it some sophisticated shit in there, but yeah. it's just the way it was recorded mm-hmm. or the way that that is. The riffs... Those other guys were kind of... Pro, uh, like a Les or a Flea guy. Yeah. They were pronounced... And so I could kind of hear that. I got, it was difficult for me. Yeah. So what'd you do then? You got the bass and you started writing right away? I would just, yeah, I would come up with, you know, and again, I had no, like, there's never been any theory. Also, in sixth grade, I joined high school, or not high school, the you know, the junior high band. And I played... They let you play bass in the band? No, I was, I played percussion. I was in the percussion section. <laughs> Because, like, to me, it was like, oh, I want to be part of this musical thing, but I don't, I can't, like, really grasp reading music or, like, learning an instrument like the saxophone or something. My older brother had played trumpet, and I just remember, like, not, it just didn't appeal to me. Yeah. It was more to just associate myself with music and take the e- what I thought was the easiest thing, you know? Okay. You don't have to worry about playing different notes when you play percussion, right? You just have to learn about Rhythm. rhythms. And, um... So, yeah, I kind of, I've kind of forgot where I was going with that. But, no, um, with the bass, what I'm saying is, you're not... Co- when, I, when I started with the thing, okay, yeah, a lot of it's to be with D-Boom, but then what we did with it was try to copy these songs... For hours. I remember American Woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, for four hours. Dun, 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 I mean, every day after school, this one yeah. lick. Yeah. For hours. And then his first solo he ever learned. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like, all 
over and over the same. And it was just like, wow, we did it. You know, yes. so let's keep doing it. You know, the same fucking thing. And then we try another tune and get that motherfucker. And of course, learn it all wrong and shit. <laughs> yeah. slowly find the parts. No, this kind of sounds more like it. So what you're doing, you're not listening to other people's things. You're coming up with your own jams. Are you, well, are you recording okay. these to cassette? The, uh, well, here's also the other thing, though. It's kind of at this point, I don't think I'm like taking it seriously as anything I want to do. I'm just like kind of like, yeah, I've got my dad's bass. And I'm that like... I'm that guy that likes music. You know, it's not... It's Do you carry it around in, at school? Um, no, because there wasn't really any reason to take it to school. No, just to look like, like the guy I, would, I had friends' house, you know, that, so you that, bring that, it that were getting the same thing, Like, so I'd take it over to yeah, uh, yeah, friends' yeah. house on the okay. weekend. and You know what I mean? Um, I'm just wondering how you, you, you worked with it. Well, this is... I guess what I'm getting at is, at this point, it was still just like a weird quirk being the guy that had the bass, you know, um, but... Bass was weird to me, you know, the first couple of years I played a guitar with four strings, we didn't know what a bass was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they had bigger strings. Yeah. It blew my mind. We thought they had thinner necks. Uh-huh. So only four fit on, like a tenor guitar. <laughs> yeah. That was part of the two of why I picked up the bass, too, because I didn't really know the difference or how to differentiate it. Well, it was, but I was like, there's less strings on that. That's probably easier. Oh, <laughs> Okay, okay. So, uh. Um, okay. D Boone's mom put me on bass. I didn't even pick it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, when I saw how big the strings were when I was 16, it was like, God damn, no wonder there's only four. Yeah, yeah. Because Arena Rock, we were so far away, I couldn't. Yeah. Okay, so, uh. So. So yeah, this what this thing is sit in the corner. You come home after school and uh, yeah, every once in a while I'll just get on it and just. It. But for me, it was more being about able to say that yeah I, I have, have one. one or yeah exactly did you have an aunt <laughs> uh, that that was another interesting thing was I remember I became I had a very like defeatist attitude about it pretty early on because you couldn't hear it and I think I well, like the Portland gig <laughs> man was that a guy so I, I, you know, I remember like I would pick it up and pluck around on it, and then you know my mom and my stepdad would be like, "Oh, why aren't you, you know, are you gonna play it?" And I'd be like, "Oh, I can't hear it." So one morning, I remember, God, it was it was a weekend morning, and it was like seven o'clock in the morning, and my stepdad's one of those guys that's like up at the crack of dawn, like doing tons of stuff. He is, you know, he has a shop and a garage, and he's always busy doing stuff and that. And I guess he'd gotten up this morning. And his first task was going to solve... He was going to solve the problem of, I can't plug in and hear it. He's going to build you an amp? So he built me a little, <laughs> st- a little yeah. like, a little setup. Yeah. And, like, I woke up to him, like, you know, he's not a musical person at all, but just woke up to him, like, kind of bashing around on it. And that that was where I could start to be like, oh, okay, I can, like, mess around on this. I can hear it. Yeah. yeah. Um, can we hear some music? Yeah. Okay. Demon stuck in your eye. You want. 
a heart that's pumping yet Twitching nerves and bleaching sweat I will write this down again To I will write this down again To got the shame and future fear I begin to persevere In the brutal here and now I am bloody blood of mine There's a heart that's pumping yet Twitching nerves and bleaching sweat I will write this down again To 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 I will write
should tell you what we played we're, go, we're getting back to Nathan's uh, musical uh, journey but uh, I should tell you we heard a demo from uh, Terry Genderbender called Demon in Your Eye she, she's working on a new album told me and then uh, I Was Silenced by Bob Pollard he's got a new solo album uh, Tune Des Rain by Dirty Beaches Invenzioni do it. Vinyl. This is a guitar player you got to see, man. His cat, his cat named Manlio from a town by Roma called Tercina. No strap. No strap. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> he uses a chair, puts one leg up there, and okay. hoists it up on Ed his shoulder. Ed was going no strap. Because well, <laughs> fell off. This yeah, dude don't put one on at the beginning. He you know, too cumbersome or I don't know. But he like, yeah, freestyling, freeballing. But he plays like a motherfucker. God, you would not believe how bad he is. And he's got a couple bands, but this band here is Neo. Okay. It's got one called Square Cat, too, but check him out. And then uh, something brand new from Light called Circle. And uh, you guys know Light. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then uh, you know Naz, huh? Their buddy from the Ireland who moved to Hokkaido. Do we meet him with you um, at the Tokyo show? Is that who we met? Irish guy? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a band he's involved with. He's the one that got me connected to Light. Right, okay. Because he had this label, Transduction Records. Mm -hmm. He's a, a guy who went to my gigs late 80s, so I've known him a while. He's got a, involved with a band called Spook of the 13th Lock, and uh, the tune is The Brutal Here and Now, Part 1. And finally, a band you just toured with, Boris, Black Original which is one of their uh, dance tunes. Oh, <laughs> They right. played many different kinds yeah. of stuff. Yeah. I, th I don't think this was a gong song. <laughs> <laughs> right? He brought, Atsuo brought the yeah. gong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Like three gigs in or so. How it many gigs in? Crash. Broke one, yeah. Then they sampled a gong sound. So when he would hit the gong, it would sample a fake gong. <laughs> yeah. So each wow. night the blend got more and more sample heavy. Yeah. And <laughs> the gong died. Just yeah, 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 yeah. I used a gong on the Spielgusher record to hide clams. You know, like some people laugh loud when they fart. Yeah. You didn't hear that. <laughs> you didn't hear that. <laughs> you smell it, but you didn't hear it. <laughs> okay, back to your story. Right. So, um, I kind of don't really remember where we were leaving off, but... We're I talking about like, uh, you not copying records. Yeah. Uh, you got the amplifier built for you. I feel like what is kind of important to mention is I'm sort of like my head is, you know elsewhere like a very like daydreamy kind of person you know whereas my older brother who was going through a lot of the same stuff was very much like he wants to know the ins and outs of everything so while i was just like whatever blah blah, blah makes noise he was like he had you mean like, like eating sausage there could be assholes and lips and shit. Right. You don't care. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hot dogs. Right. Yeah. But he... Yeah. It's all... Uh, it doesn't what matter. What do they call that when they make a... Slur? Slurry? Yeah, slurry. 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 Right. We have a song called about slurry. Yeah. A plate? Yeah. 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 To me, it's like, whatever, I'm eating a hot dog, but my brother okay. knows every What I mean is you don't care how it's put together. He's, right. he's interested. Right. He's interested, and he's still like this to this day, but when he's interested in something, he finds all the ins and outs of it and knows every little thing about it. So he was getting Guitar World magazine. Maybe you want to contrast him. Probably, yeah. Or, um, or what's the other word? Uh, Contrary. Yeah. Contrarian. Yeah. Tomato, tomato, potato, potato. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. So, so you want to know that shit? Yeah. That <laughs> doesn't concern Right, exactly. Which is, again, another like flaw that I think I, <laughs> that contributes to how I play and stuff. But, um, so... You know, that's how we know 3D. It's the way shadows. And that's how Mr. Escher could fool you with his uh -huh. graphics. He puts the shadows in the wrong places. Hmm. He's got stairs that go up and down. Yeah. You need contrast. Right. It's okay. Yeah. You weren't doing anything wrong. Right. So, um, so a big thing was he, he always had like Guitar World magazines. And I'd flip through them every once in a while. And uh, I remember one time I... Yeah, but that's Guitar World, not Bass World. Well, but Guitar World still, you know, they would, they would throw some bass player bones yeah, in there every once in a while. But, I did a uh, spiel with them, uh, for them with Les. Oh, yeah, okay. Maybe uh, around this time. Yeah. Early 90s. Yeah. You may have been flipping through that. You might have been flipping. Probably. Or maybe wiping, you know, taking care of business after it I was never a reader <laughs> while I was doing that. Oh. I don't like to hang out. And yeah, they say it. it's bad to do that. Yeah, legs fall asleep and stuff. Mm. Um, anyways. So, so you're on this mission just to be kind of familiar, but not that much. Right, and so well, this, is, this is funny. I'm sure this pissed a lot of, like, Guitar World uh, subscribers off, but there was, like, a spread about the Sex Pistols. You know, sex pistols are not, you know, if you're a shredder, you're not, like, really caring about them. But I remember just flipping to this picture of Sid, yeah. and he's just gnarly looking, yeah. and he's, and it said something about how he couldn't even play, and, but there he was, and to me, that was, like, the coolest thing, so I was like, I can't play, <laughs> you know, and I was like, damn, this is cool, so that's where I started to find out about punk music. Punk. Yeah. Okay. And. Your, your, your gateway. Yeah. Punk was Guitar World and Mr. Sid. Yeah, and then getting Nevermind the Bollocks. By the way, Viv, 
her one of her old friends was him. Mm. His name was John, I think. That's his. It was yeah. yeah. All and they the made a band. All the Johnny Lydon's friends are named John. No, but Viv, uh, the lady on the guitar, yeah, from the Slits, mm -hmm. they made a band very early. So, so I got the Nevermind the Bollocks tape, and that was like, that made everything else that I was into seem polished, even yeah. like Nirvana, you know, because Nirvana had hit by that point, and I was in Nirvana, but Nirvana might as well have been going. Oh, you didn't Roses. make a connection between Nirvana and Sex Pistols. Right, I didn't oh, make okay. that connection. It was because Kurt would have probably told you, you know, I I like that band. Right, exactly. But to me, you know, at that point. What I was about to say is Nirvana might as well have just been Guns N' Roses. It was like the commercial, yeah, yeah. popular on MTV. When Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, they played that song on the rap radio station. It was so popular. Okay. I remember. Because um, that was, I guess, another big thing I would do was I would dub songs off the radio and make tapes. Okay. So It was hard to hear punk on the radio then. Yeah, so no, you I mean, must be on a. Been what came you're probably on a quest to find punk music. Yeah, no, it was to yeah. So you're to, looking for punk point, people at school, right? At this point, punks were like bad guys in movies. You right, know what right. I mean? like, oh, on TV like, shows, so CPO Sharky and Quincy. <coughs> yeah, like, in fact, Quincy Punk used to be a word for somebody who learned about punk from that fucking <coughs> episode where the dude took some downs and stabbed somebody <laughs> in a pogo. That's funny. <laughs> so um, you do. You guys don't know about that. That's eighties probably. And yeah, and so they would use this term for Quincy Punk. Maybe you were kind of a poser, a fake, right. of Johnny okay. Come Lately. Yeah, yeah. So um, Quincy Punk. Quincy Punk. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it was this like Quincy was like a corner. They had a TV show that was yeah, about it was a like corner. Yeah, like a medical thing, right? Yeah. Well, it, it, it investigates dead people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it was Jack Klugman. So um, yeah, so. The introduction to Sex Pistols was that this was like this, this dangerous like thing. Even though it wasn't new, it was new to me. It new to you. Yeah, Quincy Punk. You know, I was somebody once said the only thing new is you finding out about it. Yeah, I like that. So Black so Hugh. yeah so when I got that um, so when I got that tape it was like the most raw thing. So you want to go and find out about punk? You want to meet punks? Yeah, that and that was it. That's like oh this is what. So I you want. grab a tape and go to them in school. I'm not playing. Well, I, you know, again, I was going You're to school in the sticks. They didn't right. exist. And there's no... No. Oh, not even the school? No. Wow. Okay. Um, so, like, I was done with Little League and all that. Like, this was what I wanted to do yeah. now, you know? And um, so my brother and I had started a band. And... Wow. I mean, I was just there because, I, you know, he had nobody else to play bass. and he was a drumming. Um, a guy that was also in the, at this point I'm still in junior high, the junior high band, who, the thing with the percussion section in the junior high band was... Oh, like, he's one of those guys. I can hide behind playing, like, bass drum or something, because it's not, you know, it's it's not that accurate, or, like, I played timpani a lot, because it's, like, kind of lower register. I never played the snare, because if you fucked up the snare, everybody knew it, you know? So, the the thinking was like the guy that plays snare. Sort of like the hot dog and sausage. <laughs> the guy that plays snare has, know what to, be, has to be somewhat good. And so this guy was. Um, but did you bring him in to play? Yeah, he had a full he, drum set. He could play his, snare drum. Yeah, and his dad like was really you know into. His dad was a big Cream fan and would talk to us about Cream and stuff. So. Ginger so, Baker. Yeah. So he was. So now your brother is he writing his own songs? 
No. Well, yeah, I. it's really hard for me to even remember when we cobbled together this band, there were four of us, how we even did stuff. I'm sure we started playing covers, but it's like, who knows what those even sounded like. He, because he, he showed you. You didn't learn them off the record? No, I would learn by... I would learn by ear, but I was probably playing them wrong. But yeah. nobody, nobody told me like, "Oh, that's wrong," or "It doesn't do this." I thought it was right, and nobody, maybe it was right, but nobody said. And it was like, God, I'm even trying to think of the covers that we would do. I'm having a really hard time figuring it out because nobody, nobody like nobody else liked punk. I was like, you know, the the one in the band. Your that older brother punk. didn't like it. No, not so much. He didn't dislike it. He was very he was very open. I'm trying to think of what he was really into at this point. I think he was really going through like a U2 REM thing at this point. Ooh. <laughs> uh, how long does this go on? Uh, this goes on until high school? I'm in high school, yeah. like maybe a freshman in high school. Yeah. And um, I remember wanting to start to do stuff different, and by this point... Well, you're meeting new people in high school. I'm meeting new people. At this point, I'm into Minor Threat, and, like, the other guitar player in the band is really in the metal. Like, he's every day a Metallica or a Pantera shirt, and, like, that stuff was cool to me, but I, I wanted him to, to get into punk, too, and I was like, you would probably really like Minor Threat, because it's fast, and it's loud, and just, like... Pantera's fast and loud like you'd probably be in line of threat and he was like so close minded about all of it yeah, yeah. and the other guys it's very easy to believe you, you, you wouldn't imagine the older days that was like 99% of the people yeah so <laughs> fucked up yeah it's really amazing how open minded people got about punk I mean you would not believe the old days oh, yeah and I'm so while they're still doing so he won't be doing this so you what, you gravitate to another yeah, and yeah, exactly. And it was basically like half and half. At this point my brother my brother was dating a French exchange student that was all about Sonic Youth and like oh. My Bloody Valentine. So yeah. that's so I started to, to like that stuff and this is also around the time that I heard and got into Fugazi and like that was super different. You know, even for me thinking like, Oh, this is punk but it's I'm not closed minded about it. It's different. It's a different sounding kind of punk. So it just black flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that the stuff that we were doing kind of just became none of us were on the same page about what yeah. we wanted to do. So the band just kind of like fizzled. And um, you know, again being up up in the hills. <clears throat> well, <laughs> it's kind of funny. There was a lot of stuff going on further up the hill in Grass Valley. Like that's where Legs on Earth, which mutated into Hella, was going on. I, I wasn't part of that, though. I didn't, you know, I didn't have transportation. You probably weren't aware of even it. Even though it was 20 minutes away. Well, I this didn't was pre-internet, too, so yeah. there's no... Unless, Way of connecting. Unless you have a driver's license. Like, oh, you whatever. couldn't even get there. Yeah. yeah. And this was... And so I started going to a lot of shows with my brother um, because he could drive and I didn't. So we, Oh, you started going to gigs. Yes, yeah, so okay. we would drive down to Sacramento to, like, Bojangles and, yeah. and see Cattle shows. Club. Yeah, and, um, but it, since I didn't drive, there wasn't an outlet for me to really meet other people and start bands with them. Um, but it was through going to these shows that I met Jeff Worms. Yeah. I was the first person to, in this band to meet Jeff, because Jeff... Jeff is a guitar player, people, yeah. and uh, Caramelis. Jeff was growing up, or Jeff was doing the same thing, 
you know, I did, unbeknownst to me, at another school that was about 20 minutes up the road. And, um... But you need it at the club. Yeah. You know, we're at the end of the first hour. Cool. April 8th, 2012, Watt for Pedro Show. Here with the Terry Ramellos guys in Seattle. Hold tight for hour two. April 8, 2012, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
Juan from Pedro Show. Start off the second hour with Long Memory from S. Klain and R. Gangbang. Then we heard Acid Song by Black Bananas. And then Spray Paint by Black Moth Super Rainbow. Here with Nathan. He has met Jeff Worms in his journey. <laughs> Of music. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't end up playing with Jeff in this band until later, but that, like, definitely when I met him, he made an impression on me. Like, this guy is the most hyper, like, nuts guy I've ever met. Um, but I and he was, likes music. And he likes music. And I wasn't driving, and uh, so there wasn't really a lot of outlet for me to meet other people. So at this point, I was just like, all right, I'm going to get figure out this high school thing, get the hell out of high school because I hate high school. Like, I'm just super not into it. And uh, once I'm out and I, like, go to junior college yeah. down the hill, yeah, that's when I'll meet new people. That's when I'll be able to do, to start a band, you know? Yeah. So that happened. I graduated high school and started yeah. driving down the hill more, about 40 minutes to go to junior college. And I would go to the record store in Roseville, um, there's a, a big record store that always had, you know, they always post, there were always ads of people looking for, for musicians. Ah. And, uh, so there was a flyer that caught my eye because it was so, it was really bizarre. It had nothing to do really with what type of music it was. It's, I wish I still had it because it was the weirdest, like, looking for people to play music with flyer ever. It had, like... It had like I want to say. We used to have like, this thing called the Recycler. Yeah. And it was a free weekly of ads. Uh-huh. Selling everything. Washing machines, car I bought all my cars, all my amps, everything. But they'd also have sections for bands. Yeah. And they'd be things like uh No Flakes. Must have own transportation. Must it have own equipment. It wasn't anything like that. It was like there were there were probably like weird stickers have management. on management. And I think they were like there was probably like a pentagram or an upside down cross on it or something, but it didn't look menacing and metal or anything like that. It was like in probably done in like pink Sharpie or something. It was just Hello Kitty. Yeah, it just really like stuck out. And the name on it, I'll never forget this. The name on it was this guy, Chuck. <laughs> so I, t- I took the thing and I called, called up Chuck. And I called up Chuck and I left a message saying, Hey, this this message for Chuck, my name's Nathan and I blah 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 blah, whatever. I left a message. And I got a call back later, and I think I remember saying, like, oh, is this Chuck? And the guy's like, well, yeah, but Chuck's not my real name. My name's Nick. Phew! Charles is my middle name, and right. I didn't want to put my real name on the uh, flyer with my name. phone number. But I just but instantly pictured him playing this Edward's message. Middle, uh, name is, uh, his, his first name is really Charles. He's Chuck. Chuck. Yeah. Edward. Yes. Anybody ever call you Chuck? Okay. <laughs> Roger that. I had to think about it. But, uh... <laughs> so I always, I always pictured him, like, playing this message for his friends. Because I genuinely thought I was calling a Chuck, you know? When yeah, I, yeah, yeah. So, uh... And Did so you bring we, your bass over there? Uh, we met up once, probably, just to make sure that we weren't, like, psychos. At a bookstore. At a bookstore, yeah. We'd like to check each other out. Well, uh, you know what? I think we met and then we drove. I answered an ad once. In West Hollywood. Yeah. I drove up there. Jammed I Want to Be Your Dog with these people for three hours. <laughs> Dibu wouldn't make a punk band at first. Mm-hmm. We saw a gig and I go to him, man, we can do this. 
He's a, I don't know. So I went and added to the ad. And after that gig, okay, I'll make a band. Oh, play the game. I'm not saying I like I uh, <laughs> was manipulating Devoon at all, but I don't know why I, the punk thing was so intense on me. I wanted to make a band. Yeah, I know he did too, but I, I, I it was scary for me to answer ad. I didn't check them out in the bookstore. I went right to the pad. Yeah, which was a trip. If you knew Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood in those days, there was many people hitchhiking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. <laughs> You know about this scene? This is before AIDS. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, well, I moved by the address and I had to circle around. I don't mean to bum rush your interview. No, that's good. And uh, I just come running up to my car, you know, and they just stand there at the window. Hi. I get out, I get my amp, I get my bass, you know, they're just looking at me. And so I go in there, and the drum, it was the drummies' uh, pops electric shop. Mm -hmm. And we're practicing, I go, man. Where are these guys going? Why'd they try to bust? There's hundreds of guys all hitch up. Where are they going? Mm -hmm. Man, those guys are whores. They're going where you want. Ooh, <laughs> I didn't know. I was 18. Yikes. Was my first introduction yeah. to that kind yeah. of thing. And I jammed. They were nice people. I did a, I want to be a dog a long time. Yeah. But I never played with them again. So I can understand you want to check each other out in the bookstore. Yeah, so, and then... That I'm, must have been kind of trippy. Were you, like, looking diff in different aisles, looking through the books? Well, no. I, I think we both had punk t-shirts on, and yeah. I had, like, probably funny hair or something. Yeah. Oh, so you could know so that So we one. knew, yeah. And it was, and... I didn't... Dude, I don't know if you remember this, but I didn't even have a cell phone yet. Hmm. But, uh, I was probably borrowing my mom's cell phone. So it was like, you were like, oh, I'll be by the magazines. And I remember he was looking... Like, the first thing they did was, like... He, it was, like, one of those, like... Is it Fantagoria magazines or something? Is that a magazine? The film magazine, yeah. Yeah, and you, like, first thing was, like, check out this picture. And it was, like, this gnarly, like, bloody something or other. And, um... Yeah. Yeah. Hello. So then you knew I was okay. Yeah, yeah. right. It's yeah. all yeah. way together. Yeah, so then we went, back to your, we went back to your parents' house and, like, we just... I, we talked about, you know, mutual... Mutual influences and stuff like that yeah but he gave me a cd of, of his band and i took it home yeah and i learned the songs or what i thought was the songs it was you know it wasn't uh it wasn't like this stuff so oh was, i know it was pretty straight we talked about his uh music yeah. journey so what was funny was when i went and played with with him and the drummer i yeah. had learned these songs and where they were on the bass and we start playing and it's just like it's not adding up and i'm like what What's going on? Did I like learn this wrong? Where it looks like we're in the same position, and he was like, "Oh, we didn't like, I didn't tune when we did that recording. I mean, the guitar was in tune to itself, but I had no idea where it was. And so now he was in proper tuning, but I had learned it where the four forty eight. Yeah. So. But this was the recording was not in four forty eight. It was just yeah. nothing. I didn't have yeah. a tuner. It yeah. was <laughs> wherever oh, it was in tune to itself, but it was in tune to four forty eight. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that's why. Yeah. A lot of cats that would record half step, on like sing, some singers want a half step yeah. down, and I it was nothing that. like that. Kiss it was just like, like my guitar's in tune. Okay, we're gonna record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just didn't try to get. Okay. Well, so we after figured, that, we eventually figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. And then he picked up on the story from there with the Terramelos. Right, and, exactly. That's that Jeff that Worms and yeah, uh, the guy I met uh, last night. Vince. No, Portland, two nights yeah. ago. Vince. Yeah. Uh, 
Okay, we're gonna. This is a great story. I wish I would have learned bass uh, like your journey, but I had to do it my way. Stumble through it. Uh, we're gonna hear some music and then. So we switch seats. Talk to John. this for someone else 
I wrote this for someone in a dream about dream things and candy. So well, um, well, when her hair is white, so white, that neither of us bothers to dye it anymore. And sex, whatever that was, is not the main agenda. I will still kiss your pretty nose in the middle of the day, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a dream. string speak into my auditorium mercifully filtered through the dung preachers of minus vast overlord gimme oh violent ones the bulk of thy painful meaning we cry but what comes through are only unpopped kernels most white and bored sticky yellowed clouds lowered onto our outstretched pocked tongues Bespeckled with papillae eager for the acrid thrill of black lemons and aluminium. Poorly they mark our mouth with taste, yet merely poison the weak, the young. As dribbled scribbles languish from dolorant pens, we must ask, why come? Chopped and blown are our ready upturned faces, seeking to espy that chance of plastic disease, that disingenuous, distinguished circus cake. For we've learned to beg and slaver, such as piteous miscreants. Oh, my eye! It drips a sight released like discharge from a magician's mandrake. Yes, from Karnak through Carthage to Cartagena, our muse must rise and quake from the foundation to the firmament. We'll wriggle a spent worm sheath and sloth the viscous casing of history in denial of knowing about any fate. Or... We'll bog down in the tube, fill our last breath with mud, sigh, and break underneath. Nevermore can be driven a deaf thought from clever muscular devices. Good night, Don. Good morning, Don. Watch from Pedro Show. We uh, just heard... Um... <laughs> Doe Dune of the Happiness Massacre by Chris Groger. 
the cat from Austin. All right. Yeah. Uh, what You Laugh At by The Bugs. I think a Portland band. Spiel Gusher, which is... Uh, you call Miss Jimmy, uh, Richard Meltzer, myself. Richard Meltzer saw you guys. And then we start off with Dose doing Om Om Om. And now John, the Terramalos drummer, we're going to talk about his musical journey. What's the first music you uh, remember hearing? Uh, we, my family went on a lot of road trips when I was a kid. And so my dad would just play these mixtapes that he'd made. And so it was the stuff that I heard that I liked was Jimi Hendrix and Deep Purple. How old? And let's, oh, you know, no, four years old. Ass. Four years four, old, probably. Four years four old. Four or five. Really young. I can't remember. Oh, shit. So I was hearing that <laughs> and, like, White Snake and stuff, because he likes some of that stuff, too. Hold your pop. My dad is, uh, oh, 56. I asked the impossible question. 56. Yeah. 56 Two years old. 57. He's born in 55, so. I'm born 57. This guy oh, okay. your son. How does that make you feel? <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a reality. It's just, it's just interesting. No, because I'm p- p- placing where it is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. In the timeline and mm-hmm. why White Snake and all this. Sure, yeah. sure. Because, like, if you talked about my life, my pop don't know who the fuck White Snake was or anything. He didn't. Yeah. No, my dad. He knew about like, Bob Dylan. Hendrix was the first, like, artist my dad heard when he was, like, 13 that was like, whoa, this is for me. Because yeah. his parents listened to Glenn Miller and stuff. But he yeah, saw yeah. Hendrix. In concert and all that, so like it's I was kind of from my era. Yeah, very very similar year for yeah. sure. So you're four or five year listen to. It's interesting, both you guys with cassette tapes. Yep, dub like dub tapes. Cassettes were big with me. There's a room at my pad where I got racks, hundreds of, when we used to tour cassette players. <laughs> yeah, you know, so we, we hundreds of cassettes that I never listened to anymore, mm-hmm. but it was a big part. And this idea you could make your own. Yeah, that was that was a big thing. Stuff, he, yeah. After I was like, oh, I like this song enough times, he made me a tape. It was like my favorite songs that I heard. So it was like Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin and Highway Star by Deep Purple and Iron Man by Black Sabbath. He's a rock and roller. Yeah, yeah. So I was really yeah. fortunate. Like I was born into a pretty musical family because my dad's a guitar player. And he's a player. Okay. He's a really, yeah. really good like classic rock guitar player. And Is then, he in bands? Always cover bands, yeah. Okay. So okay. that, hence like... White Snake and things like that too, because they would have to play like kind of current stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. So, but uh, so uh, you're listening to this music. Mm-hmm. How does this connect with you getting into making music? Well, did like, you go back that far? Were you on the drums way back then? No, no, that that's the thing. I mean, like I was. My dad was a guitar collector for a long time, so there was a room in the house that was just music equipment but yeah. when I was a kid I wasn't really allowed to go in there yeah. save for like Expensive every now stuff. and then yeah I had yeah. to be really yeah. careful and you know we would go to like guitar center on the weekends I didn't like it because you can't run around guitar center when <laughs> you're a little kid so that's not fun right <laughs> but uh so then like when I was like eight or nine I became really obsessed with the Beatles like obsessed obsessed and I remember like you know Sgt. Pepper and Magical Mystery Tour were some of the first like tapes that I got from the store besides like children's 45s and things like that. Yeah. And then uh, I used to, I remember in like fourth and fifth grade, I had a clock radio and I would set it for an hour before I had to be up for school and just lay there listening to oldies radio. Wow. Just to listen to it. I was just getting pumped on it. All this old stuff. And then uh, when I was like towards the end of fifth grade, maybe sixth, there was like a, like a bad kid that came to my school from like uh, 
you know, he got kicked out of his public child. school. Yeah. And he he really liked Nirvana. And so that was, I started checking out Nirvana from oh, that. Oh, he turned you on to this. He turned me on You to gravitated Nirvana. to the, the rough kid, the yeah, troubled kid. Yeah, he was more interesting than the guys that just played uh, magic cards or whatever, you know, okay. like Magic the Gathering stuff. Sure. He was more interesting than that. Okay. And he dressed cooler than them. So I was like, oh, okay. So I got really, really into Nirvana from that. And that was around the time between that and like Beatles stuff. It's like, yeah, I want to play. I want to play guitar. So I got to. Bobby guitars. What are you? Thirteen? Uh, no, I was I was eleven. Eleven. And I got uh, a guitar for Christmas that okay. year, and so I played it not too well. <laughs> Just learning Nirvana songs and Beatles songs and things you, like your that. Your pop, your pop could play. Did he show you stuff? Yeah, but only if I asked him. He was really cool about, he wasn't like, you need to take lessons, you need to yeah, do yeah. this. It was, if I asked him how to play something, he would show me. But yeah, it was yeah. never, I was left to do. Now, what do you think of this music that you were listening to? Didn't really like uh, Nirvana too much, because they were, you know, he would hear it and like, oh, that's, you know, that's not, What's that too solo's easy? out it's of key. Or oh, it's out of key? Different stuff like that. Wrong you notes. Know what I mean? And like, the, they were in, you know, like, parents just looked at Cobain as like, this drug guy that killed himself, and so they're oh, you know, probably a little worried he's about dead by that. This time. I think so by that because yeah, when I was eleven, that would have been uh, ninety five. So so Kurt, Kurt was gone by that time, yes. but so there was a little. He wasn't like censoring it, but you know, just like oh, you know, you gotta watch out watch for out. that stuff. Yeah, and so in, Jimmy died. Yeah, yeah. Well, didn't commit suicide. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, he just, yeah, exactly. But uh, so there was, you know, there was the music room, and there was a drum kit in the music room. Really? Because my dad's cover band would practice there sometimes, and he was friends with another cover band in Dallas, Fort Worth. They would practice there sometimes, and so, so there's well, a same, drum set there. When I got old enough, I would go watch them practice sometimes too and i remember yeah. like them playing breaking the law by judas priest and that section in the middle breaking where it stops like like the guitar yeah. or the bass and drums hitting it's like that's really cool like they're hitting together yeah. and the guitar is different like playing in advance probably really cool <laughs> so anyway a little drama would, there's yeah. a little music drama yeah like seeing that like oh that, you know the way things work like seeing guys play it in the room that was the whole thing with that as opposed to just hearing it, as off opposed the tapes to just hearing it, exactly. Off oldies radio, seeing it, you're seeing it happening, probably feeling it, pressing on your face. It was loud and yeah, yeah and plugging your ears and stuff. Same thing with me. Yeah, big, big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I the mean, other big difference was arena club. Yeah, man, the sound in a club was nothing like an arena. I never was hit in the face <laughs> in the arena. It was mm -hmm. far away and little. Yeah, and this thing there, club. Man, it was on me. I was swimming in it. Cause my I was first, up in it. My first concert was when I was six years old. It was Eric Johnson, the guitar shredder guy from Austin. You know, yeah, was, Blues Cat. Yeah, so you know, my dad took the whole family to that, and I just that was it. The Bronco Bowl, this place that used to be in Dallas, and you know, we were really far away, and they looked really small and stuff. So that <laughs> didn't really. I had to do that for years. Yeah, exactly. Till Pump came. First exposure, and then, but so my first gig was T Rex. See, I, I got into T-Rex in later years and like them a lot now. Like yeah. Electric Warrior. I still and, like them. They're, yeah. You know how so you're embarrassed by some old bands? Sure. I ain't sure. embarrassed no. at all. Some of those records are really So you amazing. start on the drums because yeah. of this uh, thing of watching the, the prac. Because I, once I was how old long enough, he would let me you know sit behind the drums for a little bit you know, okay. if I asked. And then I, he started letting me do that. I didn't have to ask anymore after a certain point. And then... 
it kind of clicked. Like, man, I'm getting better at drums way <laughs> Were you faster. letting go of guitar? I was playing it still because I wanted to form a band. You know, I wanted to be, like, the, the front man in, like, a, uh, you know, thrashy, like, kind of bad punk band, like, bad Nirvana band or something. Yeah. And so I started playing the drums because I was writing songs and guitar, and I would write drum parts to them, too. And I would try, Dad had like a little four track, so I could lay down drums and then go do guitar over that. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, you know, it's it, the drums get easier for me every week. The guitar is not really. Guitar, drums, but, but what about bass? Were you thinking about that? Uh, kind of, I was trying to, I had a, I have a cousin that's a year younger than me, and so I was trying, his dad plays bass, that's on my mom's side. And I was like, oh, we, we should start a band, you know. Like, or at least get on the floor track of the other shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I, I ended up switching over to playing guitar left-handed was the other thing, too. I started out right, but I can write with either hand, and so it made more sense. Like, seeing pictures of it, it's like, that makes more sense to me to do it this way. Like, seeing Hendrix videos yeah, and Nirvana videos and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, like basketball. Uh, switch hitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. But so, you're getting further on the drums... Quicker than further on the guitar. A lot quicker. So you let go but, of the guitar? No, I, I, I kept on to it for a little while because right. I wanted to, you know, like I said, like play play rhythm guitar in a band. And so my be cousin, a front. You know, oh yeah, that's right. The, that yeah, that was aspiration. The Cobain fantasy, you know. Yeah, aspiration. But uh, and you in high school yet? This was uh, this still was junior still, high. No, it was freshman year was when I actually like got a band. Okay. Going. So what did you me, call it? Oh God, I think it was called Slipshod. Slipshot. Yeah. This is like not this two band together, for my right? My first yeah. band name. So no, like, no. Slipshot means like not together, right? Yeah, yeah. So but we just thought good it sounded name. cool too. So it's not together. You're just starting. So my cousin was playing bass, and he had a buddy that played drums in the school band, and so we all played together. And uh, and these are songs you wrote. Songs we wrote and covers. We we'd cover like uh, some Weezer covered uh, Search and Destroy Stooges songs. Stooges. A lot of the cool music I got into. After you were doing that. the James Williamson leads. <laughs> Try oh, really, really badly, really badly. That was. I think I had Dad pick. Those you got recordings of this? Is there on the so, There's tracks? video of it somewhere. There's video of it. I want to hear. You got a flow. I want to play <laughs> on my show. You doing Search and Destroy? I think I have a buddy that's got it huh? on tape somewhere. Yeah, that exists. Somewhere. You you were singing to people. I'm a street walking cheetah with, with a, a heart full of napalm. napalm. Absolutely. You're a runaway. <laughs> well, I, you know, Raw Power was like a huge album for me. I remember buying that with like Christmas money one year. It, it was a reissue that had just come out. It remixed it really yeah. loud. In like, <laughs> yeah, that was like 99. No, I mean, really loud. It's insane. It was insanely loud. Yeah. Like, I remember having that and being so pumped on it. You know, uh, I need some Because the Bowie version favorite. is really strange. And there was sort of drama with that, too, right? Big drama. Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, you know. Through Nirvana, I had gotten into the Stooges and Black Flag and uh, the Germs, uh, Sex Pistols. You guys play German songs? Didn't didn't cover Germs, but I like the Germs. But you I like had, the music. Uh, I had a, a seven inch and a, a few different things like that. You know, it was just like raw and like cool, and you could tell they're having Did fun. Did Slipshod play uh, gigs or more like parties? We played houses. There was a, there was a coffee shop in Bedford near like because I grew up in the suburbs of Fort Worth. Bedford, I think. Georgie, your brother live in Bedford? No. He lives in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get all Einstein on me now. (laughs) Georgie, Bedford's a town in between Fort Worth and Dallas. And I think your brother lives there. I thought you said New Bedford. What about the geographical 
We'll do bed. Yeah, yeah. No. No, he no. I think he lives in. He lives outside of. Uh, I thought he lived between uh, Fort Worth and Dallas. I don't know about. I don't know where about somewhere outside Fort Worth, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I'm That's it's an area by Bedford. Yeah. But it's in New Bedford. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm learning English. I'm a slow learner, Georgie, sorry. Yeah, anyway, backpack to the thing. You're playing now. this this coffee yeah. shop. There yeah, it was a little coffee shop that you, you know, bands could play and so uh a bunch of my cousin and the drummer's friends would come to see us. And, you know, I, like my first show, I had dyed purple hair and stuff like that. And pretty, we probably played Search and Destroy that night, too. I think we almost covered 1969, too. Wow. Didn't didn't happen. but. So you had a wow-wow? Uh, no, I had effects pedals, though, because, you know, like, I would hear... Uh, 69's got a lot of wow-wow. It does I mean, James have a lot. That's probably why we didn't. Do, part of why we didn't do it because I had like a, a flanger and distortion and stuff okay. not a wah-wah but uh, so, I mean, how that, long was this band last? it was only honestly like six or eight months because the other guys went and did their own thing yeah because you know the uh, other members also wanted to be the front man and oh. so they kind of went and did their own thing, and so I just started playing drums a lot more at this point. And okay. it, it's funny though because so you were, let go of the guitar when Slipshot slips away. It was yeah. I just really came to grips with like, man, the drums like are becoming way easier. It's kind of more fun, like ignoring the whole thing. Like, oh, I want to like you know do this like whatever like fantasy kind of deal. Because I grew up like there were always guitar Guitar World magazines were always around the house, and yeah. so I would read those, and it was cool because like like that same it, one, Guitar World too. Same one what that about had the guitar Sex players. Thing. That, what was so popular about Guitar World? Uh, Dad had a bunch of guitar players from the eighties. Yeah, but oh, did they go out of business? Uh, no, they were still around. Oh. But Guitar World would have like the Sex Pistols feature, and like uh, you know, I remember seeing there was an interview with you where you were sitting on like a, a garage uh, or a garbage can chair. Like a some dude made me a throne made out of garbage cans. I remember like that issue, and that was when a. Uh, Ball hog or tugboat. I put it on. Out. I put it on my balcony. That's it. Yeah. I, remember, I think like, I'm wearing that. army clothes with no fucking bare shoes. You had bare feet yeah. in that picture. And I have a beard. Yeah. Kind of a Fidel. You're holding like, like, marks. Uh, like a Thunderbird yeah. or a Firebird bass. Thunder. The uh, guitars are Firebirds. Okay. Bases are. It's one of the. You know. I it's a blue that one. Issue and stuff. Because like, I bought that bass because the case. It was an Aria Pro case, wrong <laughs> case, but okay. it said DD Ramon on it. I thought like, wow. First gig I played with it, I pulled the whole headstock off. It was fucking Bondo. That thing had been cracked. I had to put a graph that covered three or four frets. Mm -hmm. That's the one I did my first stop. I, I toured with Porno for Pyro with it. Yeah, I yeah. love that bass. It's just too big for me to play live without my hands all sore, but I record mm -hmm. a lot with it. I okay. used it on the Kelly uh, Clarkson album, another Texas person. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you're doing drums now. Now you're going to do another band, or you're going to join a band? No, that that's the thing. It was a long time between that because I, you know, I was reading Guitar World like about bands I liked in there because they would have like. When did you start reading Modern Drummer? Uh, I, I, every now and then I'll pick it up if I see a name. No, I'm talking like. when then. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> no, no, it just didn't happen. Cause, but I would I liked reading like where bands talked about touring and they would have like the Black Flag retrospective and like you know Dave Grohl and they're talking and I would read I loved reading biographies on bands you know I read like pretty much any Nirvana biography I could get Dave my hands Grohl, on. Great drummer. Yeah, that was when I first got serious about drums. Like around the time Slipshot ended, it was all about Dave Grohl and Mitch Mitchell for me. Like those Mitch were my Mitchell. Two favorites. 
I used to rent wow. Jimmy Plays Monterey from Blockbuster every week and watch the tape and just trip out on Mitch. You know, like Mitch, every song amazing. he played, he showed you everything you knew. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. how to do this. And I know that, how to do that. I know how to do this. And that was fun. You know, it's like, Ronnie oh, it's told so me about get this. Just a little story. Mm -hmm. Ronnie Ron Ashton told me he saw Jimmy because mm -hmm. a lot of bands would come in through Windsor. The oh, England yeah. bands would come in from. Remember, Jimmy goes to England. Yeah, right. So they come in through Canada and Detroit. They played a lot. Mm -hmm. He saw him at a place called the Fifth Dimension in Ann Arbor. Only a hundred people, and no one would come up. Ronnie said he's the only one who come up the stage. Jimmy's jam. Mitch Mitchell had on one playing the drums. He's got a bucket here. He's got beers on one side and a bucket here. So he's drinking the beers and puking in the other oh, bucket. Okay. Yeah, the whole gig. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like a a snake uh, eating its tail thing, like yeah. infinity. Yeah, and so that was. I I thought he was wild. I li I liked his style. It was so over the top. He, he and uh, and Ian Pace. From Deep Purple, like were really big influences with that because they left-handed. Yeah, he was. He was a full lefty player, but like those roles. And you never saw that in a rock band. Super hardly. rare. Yeah, rare. but like those roles he does in Highway start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, that just sounds that so amazing. Is, like the uh, yeah. accents and syncopation. It's like, not military. No, no, yeah. it swung really hard, and yeah. so that was a big thing for me. Like I, I have to learn how to do this. I love the way these roles sound. Yeah. That, so early, like, I loved how hard Dave Grohl hit, and I learned how to, like, get yeah, basic snap playing that. He has good snap. His mm -hmm. wrists, you know, he gets a stick off the skin quick. Yeah. And so, so these guys are influences. You're not looking to get guitar players influencing you anymore. You're looking at drummers. Yeah, yeah. You want to be point, a drummer. It really, that's that's your it, calling. It really how started to speak to me. It was 15. 15. So you're just starting high school. That's when it really started to speak to me, the drums, and, like, I love the way this role sounds, or, like, the way... This goes with a guitar here and different things like that. But nobody, like, I, I would jam with friends sometimes, but it was hard to get. Well, basically, you're in your pop's prac room, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Almost every band I've played in is jammed in there at some point. It's, even Terramellos and stuff, we wrote some songs in that same room. Wow. But, uh, so you're going through high school, you're a drummer. You're telling people at school? I'm I went to a really, really small school. It was a charter school. So there were 18 in my graduating class. Wow. So everybody knew everybody. There's 971 in mine. Yeah. San that's, Peter High, class 76. And that's what it was for my cousin that I was in Slipshod with. And so it was all his friends coming to the show because wow. I only knew a few people at school. But uh, no, nobody else. Because I to told practice. people at school in 10th grade, yeah, I'm a like bass a player. Look at like, this. I hadn't got a bass yet. <laughs> okay, I'm tuned on the four string guitar. <laughs> and this guy saw me in Chuck's Sound of Music. And I'm, this is the first time I see a fucking bass. <laughs> and I'm tripping on this thing. Like, God damn these strings, you know. And the guy I was foaming on, you know, or badge buffing, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, look at this thing. He was in the store, you know. He said, I thought you were said you were a bass player. Yeah. And I, I said, I am. He goes, Well that's a bass. And I go, I know that. But I did not know that. I fucking couldn't believe it. Like, oh God. That's when I thought, no wonder there's four strings. I couldn't fucking believe it. Yeah, yeah. So I was kind of badge buffing a little. Not, oh, okay. All I did was it with GD Boone after school, and here I was trying to be all fancy. We're at the end of the second hour, so sure. uh, we'll, we'll start up again. Very interesting, John. Um, April 8th, 2012. Dish of a lot for Pedro show. Uh, hold tight for hour three. April 8, 2012, it's the third hour of the Lot from Pedro show.
Watt from Pedro Show. Uh, we just heard, well, we start off third hour with some can. Turtles have short legs. And then you rip my feelings out, something live from uh, television with Dick Hell in the band, 1974. And Pasture's New Seasons Turn by the Bent Mustache. I think they're from Amsterdam. I thought that was up your alley. Well, that's all up your alley. <laughs> As opposed to that. Continue with your thing now. So uh, You're in high school, you're playing drums. Yep. And, uh, Have I, you joined another band yet? No, I, I had some, some buddies I jammed with twice. We would, it was kind of fun. We would just, we'd, somebody, the guitar player would play a riff, and we'd say, okay, that sounds cool, and we'd hit record on a tape recorder and then play for six or seven minutes straight, just, you know, just improvising, just making it up as we went, and we'd stop and listen, okay, that's cool, and it was funny. Like, the, the guy making up lyrics was pretty quick on his feet with that this stuff. This is just like a jam... Not just, jam just, band in the just genre. Just goofing around. Yeah. We, we played up at our school once or twice. Does this band have a name? Uh, it was called the Gigolo Brothers. Gigolo Brothers. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but they didn't want to do that very often. I wanted to practice a lot, and they didn't. So I just started playing the CDs. Cause, ah. Because I couldn't... You know, I went sure. to a small school. I didn't know a lot of people that wanted to play as much as I did. So it was mostly playing to... At first, Nirvana. Like what I did. Yeah, oh, exactly. Reckless. So I would, you know, when I couldn't play something, I would kind of stop and, like, just practice that. And then, like, oh, I could do this differently instead. And, you know, it's, the way I, he's doing it, I could do it different. I started changing it up. Like, I like playing it this way better, actually. Like, this is yeah. more fun for me. And, uh. What about your bad taste in bands? Is it changing? It started to change because I still liked all that stuff, you know? Uh, and, like, you know, trying to learn the bass drum on Good Times, Bad Times was a really huge thing for me. Like, the fast, those doubles, like, whoa, that, that's the next thing I've got to learn, is, like, how to play the bass drum like that. Like, became pretty... I think, uh, four? Somebody gave me all the John Bonham drums isolated. Oh, it's, uh, it's for, um... No, it's four. It's got, like, Black uh, Levy and Black... See, I've heard that. And... I've heard the one with, like, Fool in the Rain and, uh... Well, uh, well maybe I flow these to you. It's, it's the drums isolated. Love to hear it. Yeah, I always trip out. He's, 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 he's having yep. a drummer. You're okay, so, uh, you're, you like, getting into this thing kind of serious. Yeah. This drum thing. Well, then my cousin played me No FX one day, and that was the first time I'd heard the really fast double-time punk like that. Because I, I was... At that age, I was snobby. Oh, you're about, not hardcore. Yeah, yeah, well, I was snobby about like more like modern stuff because I didn't like Blink One Eighty Two, and all my cousins' yeah. friends thought, "Oh, that's so punk," and I was like, "I like the Germs, and I like yeah. Black Flag." Well, that's double time. Jeez, that shit's fast. Some of that was for sure. But what we uh, do a secret. The but, end of We Must Bleed. Fuck! I remember listening to that shit and went. Man, it was in, it was really intense. Was uh, that album came out mm -hmm. because the gigs we I couldn't tell what Darby was saying and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mike's over here, and, uh, and then that album of the words were so fucking intense. Yeah, you know. Yeah, he had some really intense stuff going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the music too, and especially when they were getting ready to record that, they were practicing that band. Man, live you wouldn't have believed it. That band was fucking tough. And Don Bowles had a double-time thing that was really yeah. intense. I re that was dup -dup 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 -dup. the oh, later man. germ stuff live. That was like my favorite germ stuff. Oh, like, the white one really... with the blue circle? Uh, Caught my one. eye. And, uh, tunnel. 
Tom, the stuff for the movie, the right? Rose. Yeah. Lion's share. That, I mean, because that was the thing. Like, decline of Western civilization was like a really huge sure, one for I, me. You know, I thought they invented their own music. I thought they were just so wild. And I remember, you know, and the scene was so small, right? You could talk, no problem. Sure. And I remember asking Pat, you know, who, who do you really like? Do, were you influenced? Who do, who do you like? And he goes, Queen. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? Queen, Queen and Bowie. But in and those stuff. days, oh yeah, I know, I know. I know, but I had to not be in Pedro, you know, sure. I just thought punk was like, throw down arena rock. Come on, I come from like kind of a reactionary movement against the older rock, mm-hmm. you know, because I was already fouled, right? Yeah. Already tainted. But it made perfect sense, and you know, Pat's beautiful, and there's nothing wrong with liking Queen, fuck. Yeah. The guy could play, and, but in those days, it was almost like fucking ideology uh, punk, sure. yeah. So, you got no effects. Yeah, they could the, play fast. The whole thing with that was that you could hear the kick drum really, yeah, really yeah. well because it was triggered so that... He's an Eric too, right? Yeah, yeah, Eric Sandin. Smelly. Yeah, yeah, because uh, um, Eric Melman, buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. Great, great cat. I got so, to see him in Germany. You guys did punk time. rock karaoke That's together, right. right? Okay. That's but <laughs> he, he's just a beautiful man, man. I, and I haven't seen him much, and I got to see him last year at a gig in Germany and... And uh, funny, kind of funny band. Yeah, actually, they, they can fucking play though. So Hefe, the guy they brought in for the four piece, yeah. man, they all can. Maybe Mike would tell you he's not much, but. but I, I, yeah, he's. he's I, I just, I, yeah, but I think, I think they can really play. But Hefe, wow, and Eric too is incredible, and then mm-hmm. Eric the drummy. Yeah. So yeah. you got into that. When I was 16, that was like, you know, they he toured was like a lot the and they one. were like, I would they go cooked into the skate tour. scene. Skate, and I was yeah. skateboarding at that time too. And so, like, that was a big part of it that just seemed to go hand in hand. But, like, just hearing the bass drum and, like, that definition, I was like, whoa, you can, like, be playing that double time punk stuff, but, like, the kick drum, like, doing it like that. That was another huge one. Did you know about the double pedal? I, I I knew I didn't want to use. What it. about those things? Yeah, I did. I mean, I liked I liked metal. Like I liked Slayer and Pantera a whole lot. Even oh, that, that guy! Age. I just got to see him, Lombardo? Lombardo, in November. Dose played with him. Oh, that's awesome! It wasn't it wasn't Slayer. It was he was some DJ. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. He's but. that's what one of the things I like about Dave Lombardo is he's, yeah, he's done a lot of interesting stuff post Slayer. Mike Pat. Yeah, exactly. Fantomas. Fantomas. And, uh, he's played with DJs. And even, I saw Fantomas with the Bozio. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turning the music book with the fucking drumstick <laughs> with the five hundred symbol. Oh yeah. Really nice guy. I talked to him after the gig, and well, I like I like, yeah. like Bozio's stuff with Missing Persons and the the Zappa stuff. But. <laughs> There's some wave. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he rocked the wave. He, he was doing wave. cool stuff with weird symbols yeah. there, you know. But you know, uh, I think Zappa wrote him a whole thing. That yeah. black, uh, the black page, yeah. and all that. I like Vinnie Caliuta more when it comes to Zappa. The, yeah, but when you get in, you haven't heard about that kind no, of stuff. No, not, not you yet. You haven't got into it yet. No, that wasn't yet. It was still okay, just Okay, you're, you're, you're skate with the NoFX, Skate Punk. And so I heard this band in a, in a skate video, and they were called Cigar. And uh, Good the, the first thing that jumped out was their bass player, actually. Like, he was sick, like, playing, like, super busy bass lines. And so I, like, sought them out. Like, this was, Who like... Was for, the, there was a good bass player from Texas, Punk. Mikey Offender. You remember mm-hmm. the Offenders? Mm-mm. Yeah. I missed out on them. Yeah. But anyway, this guy impressed you. Yeah, and so I started, you know, I put on... I, Did you I check out the, Old Punk? Did you get live at Raul's and, you know, dicks are on one side and the big boys on the other? I had, like, as far as, like, the Old Punk stuff, I mean... Uh, no, Texas. I'm, oh, Texas Punk? Yeah. I love Scratch Acid. 
Yeah, that yeah. was a huge thing for I me. I saw yeah, he was at that England fest. They they're, they're back first gigs. Yeah, yeah. I missed I think him drumming was in a Dallas, neck brace. That seems about right. Yeah. Scratch acid and early butthole surfer stuff. Yeah, yeah. Abortion technician. Their first uh, Hollywood gig was with Minutemen, and Bi- oh, Big no Boys shit. was on it too. I remember after the gig, uh, Gibby comes up to me and D Boom with a giant jar of Vaseline. He's going, "We're gonna have a party!" And there was a pad near that club, the Grandia room, and uh, we got all fucked up. That was some of the first... I don't remember the, the Vaseline that he used, but I remember him showing it to us. That was some of the first weird stuff. It was like this. No, radio people, you can't see, but it's like this thing. Yeah, like, gallon. Huge yeah. thing of Vaseline. <laughs> no, but yeah. That would... Yeah. I, brought, I got Locust Abortion Technician when I was like 16 or 17, and that was like one of the first really, really, really weird records I had. But there was a Dallas band called The Hunts. Way back, they're one of the first. Mm-hmm. Busy oh. kids. One of the guys was totally into this Leif Erickson guy as a teenager, uh, you know, a young idol or something. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Texas punk has always interested me. So what, so, so what do you do with this on a drum thing? You start chasing down these techniques you're hearing. Yeah, yeah. And then listening to, you know, live no effects, and he's doing the, the, the double kick in, like, yeah. different spots, and, like, on the reggae tunes they were playing yeah. and stuff. And so it was like, okay, like, this... this and Scott, like, too, they would do. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the application of those... Of that, those techniques or whatever like in that I was like oh man that's so cool you can throw this around wherever you know so I, I really like worked really hard learning that stuff uh, well what about bands honing it. same thing just nobody just jamming yeah sometimes they come just, over but usually not so you're playing to the it's mostly just me by myself records or just like okay when does that change here uh not till I was 17 and uh almost out of high school when it was my cousin that I was in Slipshod with like was like yeah let, let's like play like a in a in a fast punk band now and so uh we started doing that and that was the trollenberg terror and we played at my high school few, yeah it was from this old movie the crawling eye whoa because i love the misfits and you know they always yeah. sing about they are all kinds of movies horror movies yeah i mean because that you know i really like i liked uh last caress and hybrid moments but then when i heard like robo uh, plays with jerry now yeah, Dezzo. like Death Comes Ripping and Earth. You know AD that the Robo and Dezzo from Black Flag play with Jerry. Yeah, the, as the, the Misfits, the Jerry Fits, as some the call Jerry it. Fits. Yeah, but like half the gig is Black Flag songs too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, trippy. So all that stuff. So you make this band. Playing. Who else is in the band? It's me and my cousin, and my friend David, who now does lights at the Granada Theater in Dallas. I nice. have to play there once. Yeah, a real nice big venue. Place. Yeah, he's a big fan of yours too. So. Respect. But uh. Yeah, that that was when we started playing, and so Cigar, this Now, have you done any recording up to this point? Just the four-track. Just the four-track. Yeah, and then Trollenberg Terror recorded, because David had, like, Pro Tools or something, so we, uh... Well, you got a flow. I want to play this on the show. (laughs) When you can, when you can. I'll dig some of that up sometime, for sure. How long does this last? Uh, This band, we, uh... That was the senior year of high school. (laughs) So that's over. Drown? Seventeen, eighteen. No, no. We played. Uh, we just played at my school and stuff, you know. And then that uh, that summer after I'd graduated, that band Cigar that I checked out, yeah. I'd become friends with them on the internet because they weren't really doing much. They kind of put out that record and didn't do much at all. But they were coming through town, uh, and they were like, "Hey, can you book us a Dallas show?" Yeah. And your your band can play and stuff. I was like, "Yeah, sure." So that was the first time I played in Deep Ellum down in Dallas. Yeah. And that was huge for me because I'd gone to see tons of shows there and stuff. Yeah. And like, when I started going to shows, they were all Trees. always down there. Trees, Galaxy Club, Curtain Club. Uh, Clearwater. Clear, 
uh, Club Clearview, <laughs> Clearview, Deep Clear, Elm Live. I want to see Clearwater. Uh, yeah, all the, all those places. So we finally got to play Gypsy there. Gypsy Tea Room. Gypsy Tea Room, Gypsy Ballroom. Yeah, but, Deep Elm was all... There was a pad, you know about Twilight Zone and AAA Ranch? Those were they, a little before... Yeah, they before were uh, what, the Jack Ruby pads. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to load up the fucking equipment in the wooden stairs that were in Roundy, bringing up amps through this shit. And Sons of Herman Hall down there has, kind of, has got a lot of history to it. Wow, that, those too. were the first places I played in the year. year, year mm-hmm. yeah. Bar of Soap, that I know Black Flag had played there. It was a venue, and you could do your laundry there. It's a little laundromat. Oh, there's but, a few of those. There's one in Cincinnati called Suds Your Dud. No, Sudsy Malone's. <laughs> Suds Your Duds is another one. <laughs> yeah. So... You set up this gig, you play in Deep Bellum. Yeah. And this yeah, is with the Trollenberg. Trollenberg, Terror, and Cigar. And Cigar. And that was huge for me. Like, uh, I was so obsessed with them. And their drummer, John Sortland, is from Grass Valley, where where Nate's from. Wow, this is the connection. This, this is like or one just of the coincidence. One of the, I had, the band Cigar that he's talking about, that was like one of the first shows I went to was I saw that band play. So they, it they leads to a, a connection. Kind yeah. Of, kind of. One of my dad's younger sister lived in Grass Valley in the '80s because she went to school at Chico State and got married. And the, her ex-husband, I think, still lives up there and everything. But uh, so I'd always had these weird kind of funny Chico big party connections. School. Yeah, yeah, for I played sure. There a few times. And so John John Sortland from Cigar told me about his yeah. old band Circus Tents, which was like a Grass Valley punk band, you know. Yeah. And so I tracked down their seven inch online, and he's the one that was like, "You got to go back and listen to RKL, this band, Rich Kids on LSD." He's like, you have to get this live album, Double Live in Berlin. It's like the best punk drumming. And so I like got a cop. I got I found the MP3s of it online and later got the vinyl. But that was like a huge thing because Bomber, their old drummer, and Little Joe, their bass player who now plays in Lagwagon, that was like for late '80s like hardcore punk. It was like yeah. man, like that was that's like the best rhythm section, you know. And so that was another like really huge thing, and that was from John Sortland. Cigar telling me to check that out, but yeah, uh, my car got towed after that show and stuff. Like, it was like a fun night, but it also kind of sucked. But they, they stayed with me, and it was a lot of fun. Like, wow, like this band's staying at my parents' house. This is crazy. Like, I want to go on tour soon, but oh, okay. So, Trollenberg Terror broke up uh, after that. I joined this other punk band called Why'd they break up? Uh, the other guys had girlfriends, drama, <laughs> yeah. Just the, the normal kind of thing. Okay. So I was in college at this point, and some girl in my dorm that liked metal was like, oh, my friend Chris's band needs a drummer. You should try out for them. So played for this punk band in no class. It was like, I thought you know, said metal. She was a metal girl, but The band she, was punk. The band was punk, yeah. <laughs> like, she and I would hang out and talk about Slayer and stuff, but she, she kind of dated the guitar player. So I played for them for a while, and then uh, that band just kind of fizzled. I was in a handful of different Denton bands. What were they called? The, uh, no class. No class. Classic, you know, <laughs> shitty punk band name. But, so then I was in other, I, you know, I started getting into other stuff around this time. That was like when I first heard Hella and Lightning Bolt. And that was the next, like, that made sense to me. This is like the next thing, because like, nobody really wants to play punk anymore. That's my age. I still love it. But like, whoa, this, this new music, it's really technical and it has like that same kind of spirit yeah to that but like it's different and this is like some of the things that i've heard with yes or captain beefheart through punk and uh 
So I was listening, John I started French. listening to that a whole bunch. John French, Drumbo is amazing, like huge inspiration. And you know he was the kind of the canonizer of the music. Yeah, right? he had the, like, beef heart would Captain was a vocal guy, mainly, so or horn or a little piano, but he's the one who... Charted out the crazy... For the cats. Time signatures and yeah. chords and all that, like... That was a that was another big thing. I started listening to that when I was about eighteen, probably, like Zappa and Beefheart. But uh, and so, you're equating this with uh, the with hell, hell on, on the lightning bolt. bolt and all that. They're stretching out on a musical thing. So that's what I was listening to. But nobody in I was living in Denton, Texas at this the point. The music college. I yeah, played there once. Just studying psychology. Pharaohs played there once. Oh no shit! I think so. At the at the Union or in the Lyceum or. Pyros are one of my bands. I know I played mm-hmm. in like the auditorium. I remember yeah. a set list paper had music staff on and shit. Like, oh, okay. I said, can I get some paper for a set list? Because it has music staff. It's like, yep. yeah. <laughs> and then I played a frat party, I think, or something. There's some kind of festival in Denton where there's an outside festival. Mm-hmm. And I played with, Char- uh, went on just before Charlie, uh, the P- Pixie singer. So I've been in okay. Denton twice. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I lived up there for five years and. Uh... That's, so you're, you're, you're exploring different musics now. Yeah, that was, you know, I met... Kind of like smaller, were, uh, nuanced... Yeah. That was around the time I started listening to the jazz, too, is because I met guys that were music majors. And right, because it's a music school. Yeah, and they didn't really want to play too much because they wanted to play jazz, but, you know, I remember getting a Love Supreme, and that was a really huge one for me because the Elvin's drumming on that is just so amazing. That's the first album I heard, too, that Raymond played it for me. Yeah? Yeah, it was, and I was like, fuck. I couldn't believe it. That was the whole thing was it wasn't just, you know, like what he was playing was so far beyond that and that like was a really... Fuck, one tune, one of the episodes is a drum, starts with a drum song. Yeah, I think it's three, three. acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. That one, you know, that was a real big mind blower. And so same thing, listening to Hella and Lightning Bolt, that, it made sense in that context Yeah, I met Greg, nice guy, the bass man. Like a regular bass except for the G string is some like guitar string. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A banjo string, I think. Is it a banjo yeah. string? That's some little guy. But so I was listening to that stuff, and that's what I was playing. I was trying to play in that style. I wasn't really playing along with those records because that was too gnarly, you know. Yeah, but yeah. like, like just playing what I thought like were like I don't know made sense to play in that kind of stuff. But I was playing in other bands that didn't sound like that, and so uh, to kind of skip a lot of those bands superfluous stuff. What's up? What, what kind of bands? I played in this band called The Skin Trade that was kind of like a, a T-Rex meets XTC kind of thing. That was the first cool Denton band I was in that like played with other cool Denton bands and played at Rubber Gloves and played at house parties and stuff. Okay. And that was, that was a lot of fun, but uh, you know, I was still wanting to play the this gnarlier stuff. But nobody in Denton at that time was into that. Was into it or really like yeah, was interested or could play that kind of stuff. It was really tricky. And then finally met some guys that were also into the Locust and different things like that. Oh, what's his name? Gabe? Gabe Serbian, yeah. Amazing drummer. And yeah. uh, amazing band. I know? got to play with him a couple times. Oh, no shit? It was something called Al-Qaeda or something. Oh, okay. I could name the fucking man that, but... <laughs> and they asked me to jam with him. <laughs> I know. Like, I don't want any trouble with the police. Okay, let's call it Al-Qaeda. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus but he was, some of the gigs was in San Diego, and he, mm-hmm. he I think two I played with him. Okay. I jammed along with that cat. Because, yeah, I saw I saw the Locust for the first time. It was them and Dillinger Escape Plan at Trees. That's another monster. 2004, yeah. like, yeah, that was another huge, like, 
you know, real. It was like the first time I saw Hell and the first time I saw Lightning Bolt. These like those four bands, like it's pretty hard for me to overemphasize, you know, how much impact they had on me as a musician and everything. Sure, sure. But same thing, just nobody I really knew wanted to do that stuff. And then finally, I met some guys that wanted to do a locusty kind of band, and so it was called It Smells of Sex and Mannequins. Ooh. And uh, I've got that. I've got a box full of those EPs somewhere, so I'll have to send you. Got to flow. But uh, that was the first tour I went on. It was 2006. So you're just getting involved in every musical situation you just, can. Even though just, you're like drawn to this thing, that possibility doesn't exist. So in the meantime, I'm still going to do music. There were finally bands I could play with and like play live shows with in yeah. Denton. So I was just doing things that weren't necessarily my thing, but I had enough fun doing just to be playing live. And Where, where's the Harry and the Potters fit in? That, that was way later. Way that, later? That, that, came, that came about two years later. Oh, but, see, so. I think it was way later. It Smells of Sex and Mannequins was like, we were all, okay, let's it. We're, we're going to go on tour this summer. We're going to go up to... Your uh, first tour. Yeah, first tour ever. So it's like, we're going to go up to Sacramento and back. And uh, so, you know, we, my dad... From Denton, Texas to Sacramento and back. And back. That, that, that route there, not a lot of towns on that route. <laughs> yeah, we went, we went yeah, straight west and up and then back through like Salt Lake City. So sort of like Berkey and... Uh... We didn't even play. We played San Diego. We played this place called Flags. Uh, I'm thinking of I-40. You know, there's Berkey, there's Flagstaff, and there's Phoenix. Well, a bunch of the shows. Or I-8 to San Diego. It was that. We went up. We went out to Abilene first. We showed up at the first show. It was supposed to be an miniature golf course, and the show was canceled. Like, no, like uh, we're not doing shows here. It's going to be at this roller rink. So we called the roller rink. No, a bunch of kids trashed the place last week. Show's not happening. Abilene. So first gig doesn't Abilene. happen. Abilene. Nah, that was uh, that was on the way back. Okay. So, so uh, then the next show was supposed to be in New Mexico. Never got booked. So two day, first two days of tour, don't play at all. <laughs> and uh, we get to drive El Paso. Days. <laughs> drive days exactly. And we, you know, our singer. Thought oh, so be, you went uh, uh, to I ten. Yeah. Got off I forty. And our singer I thought it'd be good to yeah. press new, uh, totally new T shirts before this tour. So we left with like fifty bucks probably. But you know, it's not getting you too far, especially when you're. Just driving the first two days, even though you're supposed to be playing. But yeah. we we get to El Paso, this place called. Uh, why you want to go Sacramento? Because 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 uh, Hello is from there, and I knew that I was friends with these guys at this point, okay. and so they had told me like where to. Oh, you should play at this place, Fools Foundation, this art gallery. Yeah, and uh, that you know, like a lot of kids still do now. I had this idea that like there was like cooler things going on in Sacramento than there really were, because there were like a few. Because you only had an image. You didn't know the reality of the deal. You had no idea of the reality of it. And so that was, for me, that was like, the you know, it was kind of the Mecca or whatever. So you were making the trip to Mecca. Yeah. <laughs> the Hodge. The Hodge, yeah. Yeah, the Hodge. Okay. So we get to this place in El Paso. Uh, I think it's called the Rock and Roll First Hotel. time I played El Paso, you know what the name of the club was? What was that? The Coke House. I told the, the dude, Coke you got to change the name. That sounds about right. It was an old, it was an old uh, Coca-Cola bottling yeah. the factory, but you don't call your club the Coke House, <laughs> especially on a border t- <laughs> next to Juarez. You know, see yeah. that? Oh, man. Chuco. But uh, I remember we, we get to a rock and roll hotel or whatever it's called, and uh, there's... You know uh, who's from there? Rhythm Pigs. Rhythm Pigs? You don't know them? Mm-hmm. That's old Texas. Okay. I'm getting I'm going to get you on the old Texas, the old Texas band okay. today. But I remember going he ended to the up bathroom. moving to San Francisco. God, I can't remember his name, but he's a great bass player. A lot of bands did, like DRI and uh, some of the RKL MDC. guys from Houston. MDC. They did were MDC called, migrate? They yeah. were, they're Texas, and they were called the Stains, and they heard about our East L.A. Stains. 
Yep. So we better change Millions their name. Of dead cops. And that they was a moved a huge album for me. <laughs> they moved to San Francisco, but they were the actually called the Stains at first. All the, the Vats. The Vats right. bands. See, I, that's, I know more about that than I do. And Dicks moved to San Francisco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was hard to be a punk band in Texas. Especially in the 80s, yeah. And, and, and the, yeah, it was intense. We had a lot of respect. You know, we had problems with the cops, but man, the, they're seeing, oh man. Red, red State. My heart went out to them big time. Yeah. So, what, you finally get to uh, Mecca, I mean, um, Sacktown? Well, that, that took a while even, but I remember at the venue in, in El Paso going to the bathroom, there's a Terramello sticker in that in the bathroom. This is 2006, and my brother had seen... Where, on the bulkhead? In was a, it the pisser? Uh, it was on, maybe on the paper towel dispenser or the soap uh, thing, or the mirror even, maybe. So you didn't get to, like, urinate all on it? No, no, nothing like that. It was, a, it was the old T-Rex. It wasn't sticker, one of them little cakes, what are they called? That Urinal word cake. is trippy. Yeah, when I say it and then I think of piss and cake. <laughs> cake. There's something wet about cake. Yeah. The end is wet. I can see that. So I almost want to reach in there and bite the motherfucker. <laughs> so I see this Terramello sticker. I'm like, oh, that's that band my brother saw at the at the house party last year. Yeah, they were from Sacramento or Roseville or something, and he said they did like backflips off their amps. But so you know, I'd I'd heard of them, but hadn't heard their from music your brother. Yeah, my my younger brother had seen them in Texas, in Denton. Denton. Yep. At a frat party. A frat house. And Delta Lodge was closing down. And we set the fire alarm off because we played so loud. Wow. Wow. So okay. So that you know. You saw the, the, the sticker. The you, you remember what your bro? Yeah. Told you. Mm-hmm. And then further gigs, furthers. So yeah, we, we get to to Sacto and we stayed with uh, Spencer from from Hella and stuff. And then when you know got back home, that band broke up two weeks after we got home from the first tour, so that was done. Wow. So I was playing in this band Fishboy, and Fishboy would tour some, and then I met the Fishboy's what guys. Yeah, yeah, Denton, Denton, Texas. No, they're Denton um, guys. Yeah, yeah, they're they're uh. They're from the music school. Oh, no, going to school there, not in the music program oh, or yeah. thing. No. What they uh, like? It was like if uh, Daniel Johnson, Neutral Milk Hotel, and the Who all like got mashed Whoa. up into a ball. I'm not saying it's as great as any of those bands, but like as far as like the like the influences that people would pick out hearing it, that's yeah. uh, those are kind of the prominent ones. So a trippy blend. So I was doing that, and I kind of. You know, was it uh, recordings? Yeah, I played on a full length with Fishboy. Really? Mm hmm. It was recorded is, by Matt Pence. Is that your first album? That was the first. The Smell of <coughs> Sex and Mannequins EP was recorded by our friend Brent, who's now. He was touring as Blonde Redhead's tour manager. He did sound for Y for a little bit, but he was trying to start a label back then. And so we did a. You did an EP. A six song. This is EP. your first album. That was the first one that got pressed and had a barcode. And oh yeah, all wow. that you know. So that that was a big deal. But you, you know, got like a box of them. You said probably a couple because that band broke up. Yeah, not right. Long after that, so. Well, what about this but, album? So yeah, you got a box of them. Uh, no, no, that one. Uh, I only have a couple of the copies of that, but I'll have to, I'll have to send you one. So. <laughs> or, 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 or put on a cassette or uh, sure, maybe yeah. CDR or something. Some files. Okay. Whatever. What happened after that? So Fishboy was touring. Did, well, and, oh, so you're touring with this man. Yeah. Second we, tour? Uh, that My second tour yeah, was right after It Smells of Sex and Mannequins broke up. It was my first Fishboy tour. I forgot to ask ever. you. This drum set. He had a Radio Shack bass. What kind of drum set did you have? It was a Pearl Export. Pearl. So, beginner, you know. Yeah, sure. Beginner one, and I, you know. I think of Peter Chris. I could see that. It's yeah. Pearl, it was right? stainless steel. 
had Whoa. the stainless steel wrap. It was still. Did Boone play with a guy named Mike Weisswasser who played that stainless steel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it looked pretty cool, and you know, I after I put. What was the name of that band? It. it was called Starstruck. We only copied records. <laughs> it was after we saw Punk Geeks. Mm-hmm. When he was a friend of ours. We jammed with him when we were fifteen. And just kept jamming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tie your mother down. She goes, yeah, I should make okay. fun of Pat for cleaning up. <laughs> that was really the drummies band. In fact, me and D. Boom, we played only uh, one party and one talent show at a park, and he had us play behind him. Oh man! In white boiler suits. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, that is a so so. How long does Fishboy last? Well, I was in Fishboy still going to this day. No, your your tenure. I was in Fishboy for three years. So and it, you it did one album? <clears throat> Just one album, yeah. Handful of tours. We played in CMJ bunch of tours? and. You know, we would go out, we would usually do like three-week tours. We'd either go East Coast or West Coast and kind of alternate because, you know, some of the guys were in school or had jobs. Yeah, but sure. By by uh, summer 2007, I graduated from college and Fishboy wasn't touring as much as I wanted to and it was hard, but it was just enough where it was hard for me to get a job. Yeah. So I was kind of in this weird state of ennui because I... Uh, you know, yeah, same thing. Yourself. I want to. Well, I was just living back with my parents, but you know, oh. I was like, well, I can only do that for so long, and I want, I still want to play gnarly music. <laughs> right, know? right. And so, uh, I'd met this band, Harry and the Potters, in the meantime. Hey, and, Dan? Uh, uh, we played with them at Rubber Gloves. They're from Boston. Boston. But they asked me. This they was, were on tour and you met them. Yeah. This is, uh, this was, uh, like spring 2008. We were on tour. <laughs> Fishboy was on tour in the East Coast, and Paul from Harry and the Potters asked me if I would do this big six-week uh, summer tour. They needed a drummer. They needed a drummer for it. And what it was, happened? Their guy left? They've never had like a stable one. It's always kind of been whoever was around. That was available for a and tour. They, they, okay. you know, they were, when Fishboy played with them, they were like, oh, we love your drumming. Like, you, yeah, you blew them away with Fishboy tunes. I, I guess so. <laughs> or you made an impression. Made an impression with them, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and it was who venues up like... For who? Uh, Fishboy opened for the Potters. Okay. But, was uh, it their crowd? Uh, a lot of it. It was it was sold out and stuff. So, you know, it was like 200 people there or something. Yeah, yeah. Show. So but, a good uh, way to make an impression. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I always played really hard and tried to play So they ask stuff. you, when you what are you thinking? Well, Fishboy was supposed money? to be doing some stuff at that time. I didn't even know, like, Oh, you had to choose between the both bands. At that time, in the so drama. The, the Potter's tour was like the Bowery Ballroom and the Troubadour in L.A. and uh, Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco. Yeah. All these venues I'd you know never, never gotten to play or anything. So it's like, yeah, I'm in the hill. It's happening. I'm gonna do this instead. <laughs> so I did the Potter's tour. So after three years of Fishboy, well, I was still a member of Fishboy. I got Fishboy on all the Texas dates on the Potter's tour. Oh, you just said, guys, I can only do so much with you. I said, I'm sorry, like I'm gonna do this, yeah. like uh, you know. Were I, they into that? Uh, there, there was some, some drama. Yeah, I can it, imagine. But, uh... What about some stink guy, some sour ass? So, some stink guy and stuff, yeah. but, uh, you know, there were, that was just on top of, like, other issues. Oh, really? Or whatever. Oh, but, okay. But, uh... So it have been piling up anyway, so it, you it were was, thinking about, uh, exit strategy? Yeah, I mean, if I had found the right band anyway, it was gonna be exit strategy. You That's know what I mean? Knew. I knew That's the Potters wasn't that. No, like, no, just that just that came tour. up, though. You didn't plan that, right? Yeah, so we were... Or we what? Were, you saw, at that gig... What was it, the venue in Boston? Uh, well, we... No, the one that like you, a, where you made the impression. Oh, that was in Denton. At oh, it was in Denton? Yeah. Like a year before that. Maybe. Okay. It's a year it's before. It's a convoluted timeline. So, no, no, no. They, they wait a year to ask you. 
Well, they they'd had a different drummer for that. Yeah, sure, of stuff, course. But for for the big one, because it was the first tour where they weren't playing any libraries at all. Since libraries. They sang, about, they sang about Harry Potter, so they'd play at libraries, but they would make a bunch of money because they would come from like the city's budget and stuff, you know. So it was pretty oh. lucrative too. But uh, that's a weird niche. It's very very interesting niche. Yeah. Trippy. It's strange, but I was oh, like, Harry and the Potter. Um, my sister reads those. She's a teacher, and she uh, wants to know what her students. Okay, see, I was a big poser because I'd never read any of those books. <laughs> I haven't read them either. Then I'm a big poser too. I don't know. Quincy no, Potter's. you, yeah, so Quincy Pugs. No, no. What, I, what I'm, what I'm getting at is, uh, you weren't into their, their, or were you into their platform? No, you were looking for music, a different way to make a living on music and play these other clubs and, and to just travel more, other scene, and tour yeah. more and just right. Really so you weren't really uh, into their. It was, it was fun. Like, I knew, like, oh, the, you know, some of it was kind of punk and stuff. You so. were into the vehicle, not maybe the color or the hubcaps. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and they were really, really nice guys. I knew I'd have a good time with them on the road. Clean and slate. And, yeah. You don't yeah. have the baggage the fish boy had turned into. For yeah, like or years. any, you know, any of the other, like, Denton bands that had played with and stuff. Oh, the whole and scene, yeah, clean slate. A lot of it. Just that, you know. New water stuff out. Exactly. Yeah. Guys from a different part of the country. Yeah, and, yeah. Totally different thing, but so on that tour we were cruising through Athens, Georgia, which I'd played a lot because Fishboy is on a label that's based out of there. But I had this buddy, this guy Bryant Williamson. He's in this band called Cinemechanica. Athens, that's Jeff Mangum. Yeah, that's why you said oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a, a of... scene I didn't really know of in those days. He sent mm-hmm. me that record, man. That's an intense. It's called the airplane in the over, water or over something. The sea, over airplane the sea. Over the sea. Man, that was a trip for me. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that. Sometimes scenes go by and I, I don't even ex- know exist. That one, you know, that record just through word of mouth and stuff, like, really became. Well, there was a time, John, where I knew every punk band. <laughs> like, none of you guys have talked about van scenes, but mm-hmm. that's how we knew in the old days. You were talking internet. Yeah, it's a lot of and it's stuff. In the old days. Fancy, so you could know oh, about yeah. all the punk bands, mm-hmm. and I knew about every record coming out and stuff. Yeah. But then the scene, you know, it got bigger and bigger, and then I got, you know, my own. I feel like an idiot. I always wanted to know about the scene and stuff, and it really weirded me. That's how I got Raul. The mm-hmm. punk scene started in my own town, and I didn't know it. <laughs> Can you believe that? And then this guy, Vinny Vegas, took me to... There was gigs at houses. Dudes were touring houses. Mm-hmm. Not even playing a club in a whole tour. And Raul, this guy, Vinny Vegas, takes me to this house in Pedro on 4th Street. I meet him. And, and I wanted him place. to be in a band with him. Guys, I, you know, this is 20 years later from our... Uh, yeah, from your initial... Yeah, Minutemen Reactionaries. And then in a way, weird way, they were our, our grandchildren that we never knew. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a fucking idiot. <laughs> okay, so you come through Athens? So I called Bryant to invite him to the show, and he had told me that he was really into Terramellos, like when we were hanging out a few months before that, but he was like, oh, I can't come to the show, but hey, that band I was telling you about, Terramellos, they're looking for a drummer. You you have to try out. You're perfect for it. It's exactly now, what you How long have do. you been with the Potters? This was like uh, a week or two into that tour. Shit. But so, I, you know, I went to the Terramellos' MySpace page and I read the blog entry about what they were looking for in a drummer. And I fit everything you guys except... Wait, space place, you put the... Yeah. Yeah, recycler, that's over. The bulletin board <laughs> yeah, with the fucking photographs. That was the way... Because 
We yeah, yeah, no, I, I've heard a lot of this. It has changed, yeah. yeah. Did you sign the thing, Chuck? <laughs> Did you talk to Chuck? Nah, nah, didn't get to talk to Chuck. <laughs> you didn't get to talk to Chuck? No. Okay, so what happens? You read this thing, you see what they want? So I fit everything except living on the West Coast. And so, uh, you know, I listened to the songs they had on there. I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, okay, like I'm going to... We're gonna email them. I'm trying. And so they wanted people to send them drummers to send them videos of them playing their songs on drums. And I was like, Well, I'm on this tour. I can't do that. But here's a video of me and Carson McWhorter doing an improv set together in Sacramento. Send your videos. Mm. And so uh, you know, I gave, put my phone number in there. And I remember we were driving uh, through uh, through Louisiana. It was You're still on the store. Still on the hair in the yeah, yeah. tour. We were driving to Houston. It was an off day. And I remember like. Seeing that I had a missed call on my phone, it was the nine one six number. It's like, were oh they, man, they called were these me. Were these Harry and Potter guys punkers? <laughs> they liked punk, you know. They were really into yeah. Black Flag and okay. and stuff like that. They, they just they found this, that this kind of thing. Yeah, and they had okay. been in like punk bands like that before too. So that was, any band that I've almost any band I've been in like that, that punk was always a common okay. Uh, you know, like foundation and stuff. You get to Louisiana. We're driving through it, you know, and I see that I have this missed call and a voicemail from a 916 number. And I kind of, you know, my heart was kind of racing. It's like Sacramento. Okay. I was like, oh, that's got to be one of the Terry Mellows guys. And so I uh, I check my voicemail and, you know, sure enough, it's, hey, John, this is Nick from the band Terry Mellows. Uh, got your email. That's a bad impression. But it was, I was like, oh, that's a Northern California accent for sure. Just from knowing the hella guys and stuff. But. So you yeah, know, he's like, yeah, we California accent. Yeah, maybe there is. It's a cadence kind of. Okay. But anyway. Uh, yeah, maybe there is though. So he he called and said, I'm "Yeah, just we, too stupid to notice." But I I think I think there is. Yeah, I think I think so for sure. It ain't that SoCal like, hey man. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's a little different. But, yeah, it uh, is. But um, you know, he just said, "Yeah, we got your email and saw your video and just wanted to talk to you about maybe playing some music together." And so. uh before the Dallas show, I called Nick and we talked on the phone for about an hour and hit it The Dallas Harry well. and the Potter show. Yeah, at the Granada Theater where at my the buddy Granada that Theater, I was in a right. band with did lights. Did lights. And stuff. But So I talked to Nick for a while, then Nate called me a few days later. and they were, So they decided they would Tag come. team! Yeah, back and forth. They were both sussing me out, you know? Still pretty much. <laughs> Tag so, team! So, Twofer. Uh, okay, so they, now, now it's his turn. Well, they, they said they would come see me at the Bottom of the Hill show on that tour. Yeah. To, to meet me and make sure I wasn't a weirdo. Because, like, yeah, you aren't really going to well, get... Well, it's not the bookstore. No, no. But no, kind but of. It's Harry and the Potters that play libraries. <laughs> books. It's all I have yeah. seen the thread, the common good, thread there. Good point. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, fucking Bottom of the Hill and... Because I told him, like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm in this band Fishboy, and you can pull up some stuff on MySpace and hear the That's players, a good pad to see somebody play, though, man, because you're going to hear what they sound like. Yeah. and That's I, great sound I, at that pad. I prefaced Ramona. it with, you're not really going to get, like, an idea of, Oh, like, because they say my music. My, like, what I can do fully. And how long did you prac with these guys? With uh, Hair in the Potter? Yeah. I, I flew to ready for that tour. a week before the show, and we practiced it. I learned 30 songs in seven days. Shit. They were short, short songs it's for the like most part. Like some Redman stuff. But <laughs> short, short songs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Short but still, only a week. It was, That's pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty good. Pretty burly, but so pretty they, yeah, they they came. To but so you're you're, 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 you're 
I'm getting ready for this in disclaimer. my mind. Like, doing a disclaimer, like this isn't my music. Yeah, and they, you know, they understood that because the video I sent them was like, you know, a, like a noisy improv thing, just me and I got and Carson McWhorter on a uh, Rhodes. Yeah. So they kind of got like, okay, like yeah, like that's a better a better picture of it. But so, uh, you know, we got along, just hung out at the show and stuff, and then uh, I called Nick a few nights later and was like, yeah, you know, I really, I really want to do this, I really want to come try out. And but, we ain't doing any covers of Harry and the Potters or Fish. Uh, that, was, that was never an issue, luckily, oh, okay. so. <laughs> well, that was the put- other funny thing, is we didn't, we drove from Sacramento to San Francisco to watch him play. Yeah. It's a hundred miles. Yeah, yeah. And Harry and the Potters headlined that show, so yeah. we sat through the entire show. It's really show. late. Yeah, we hung out with John. Harry and the Potters start to play, and we were we probably only watched 15 minutes of the set. Oh, <laughs> I think it was far less. It was like three songs It was three something. songs, and we were like, wow. And they were short songs. They were, yeah. they were short songs. Oh, and yeah. We had an idea that he was a good drummer, but we were like, man, this is like, yeah, this is going to be hard to sit through an entire set of this. It was, <laughs> it was, real, it was like catered towards like a, a very young audience. Yeah, for, yeah. For yeah. children that read Harry and the Potter. So we're like, it's you know, like, it's hard for me to imagine. You got to flow me some of this shit. I can't even picture it in my mind. It was a trip. Or I, maybe I'm that stupid. I just can't no, imagine I, what the fuck. It just goes back to. Is it I, like Tolkien? Is it like Lord of the Rings? Or <laughs> no. no, I mean, orcs and it Gandalf. Just, and, like, goofy. Right? It basically just goes back to like I had. I was like, just, if you know the books, you know what they're singing about. Yeah, which okay. I I didn't really, but uh, it just goes back to I just being from where I was from and wanting to do what I wanted. No, to do. No, I understand. I, I understand. I'm not, stuff, I'm not, so. <laughs> look, it wasn't in my backyard. Your ethic is not suspect. No, no, I, no. I'm just interested how you you got into uh, that's it was a very, Mellos band. Yeah, but the, funny, point, the point was we yeah. only needed to see him play a few right, songs, and right. we knew he was good enough. Right, for, and he wasn't a weirdo, for, right? Yeah, no. But the way you guys want weirdos, right? Well, no, he was. The problem with yeah. you, your, all your music weirdo. projects were these guys were too fucking uh, square, right? <laughs> Right, all yeah, these yeah, bands no, were playing our, our, our old punk band was just too square. For too square, we but these guys he's playing with, he was saying we're square too. He wanted to get into the rowdy stuff. Yeah. But why he let go of the, the guitar and went to drums? You wanted to get out of the square. Yeah. But you didn't want it too weird. Like the guy's, what, rape gays? Yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing too yeah. eccentric. You didn't want that. <laughs> Marty Feldman eyes. Well, maybe yeah. Marty Feldman eyes. Well, the, the one other interesting thing, not to interrupt your story, John, but this is what no, he's, is. He got we, it. He finished his story. We, That's how he got we, it. At that point, we had already had another person that we had been practicing with as a drummer. Yeah. In San Francisco, yeah. we had this guy that we met. And yeah. we, had, we had asked him after probably a month of playing like to be in our band. Will you join Terramellos? Yeah. And it was like that afternoon we'd asked him and Nate and I, we posed it to him and said, hey, think about it, mill on it for a little bit and then we'll get back together and hang out. Yeah. And then we drove home and Nate and I discussed like, okay, yeah, we're really excited about this and we never heard from him again. Yeah. Oh no, So I that guess, was convenient. Well, okay, actually, no, I remember what <laughs> Right, you didn't I have to call him though. Yeah. So we never, we never heard from this guy. <clears throat> yeah, it was convenient so you didn't have to break the bad news. Yeah. And, yeah. and then... <laughs> And then there was so you went by default. Well, but that was because, and Nate and I decided, well, let's go see John play because we don't want to just put all our eggs in this one basket yeah. of this guy. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy had this weird psych- psychological warfare about joining the band. So then we never heard, we barely even saw him ever again. Yeah, yeah. And then so thankfully it was this weird just fucking I'm thing that happened. I'm thankful. 
because I love the band you guys. Oh, of course, tend to do yeah. This. No, it's but you know what? The stories were so interesting; they ain't up all the time. So I'm gonna have to talk to you again about where the band is now. <laughs> yeah, but I'll sure. tell you, people out there, they are. Uh, they got an album worth of basic tracks done. They got to do a Europe tour after these uh, seven gigs with us here. Well, I guess four more left, and uh, then they'll come back and do the singing and lead guitar and finish it. And uh, hopefully I get to play with them doing that material. Because right now they're only doing one of the new songs. Uh, but they're playing like they're on fire. They're smoking. And it's really, John, Nathan, Nick, thanks so much for uh, coming aboard and letting the people know about the, your own personal music stories and then the, the makings of the Terramentals. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's been the April 8th, 2012 edition of the for Pedro Show. Uh, Thank you, Steve, for letting me do this from your pad here. You're righteous people. Everybody out there, keep your powder dry. <laughs>